Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor Podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark, and I'm joined, as always, by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr. And we've been walking through a series entitled Make It Make Sense, as we have been giving you all tools on how to study and interpret scripture that leads to deep transformation in your own life. And we've gone through a couple of different phases of that study. We've gone through observation phase where you're asking the right questions to get at what the meaning of the text is. We've gone through the investigation stage where we've given you tools to help you dig deeper in the text. But my concern is that people tend to stop there. <laughs> and so in this episode, we're going to help you make it make sense by answering this question. So what? So what? So what? So application, Pastor P. I remember last year I was uh, getting some medicine for my my son. I had to sit in the Walgreens line. They were short staffed, so I sat there for like thirty minutes, sitting there waiting for this topical mm. medicine that uh, he needed. And I waited that long time to get the medicine and bought it home and, and told him when he needed to put it on. And one day I asked him, I said, hey, did you put the medicine on I got for you? And he said, oh, I forgot to put it on. And I said, boy, I waited in that long behind line to get this medicine for you to apply to your body yeah. for you to get better. And you decided not to put it on your body. And as I'm thinking about that and thinking about what we're doing tonight, you know, I think that oftentimes when we approach scripture, especially folks who learn these new tools, they're so exciting mm -hmm. just to study scripture that they go. We go through the investigation and the observation stages, and then we we forget about the most important um, part of that is that it applying to your life yeah that god has spent all this time yeah <laughs> taking yeah. us through this text yeah and he brings it to us and we go through all the stages beforehand and we get to the application stage and fall short because we got all this head knowledge yeah but it doesn't get into us yeah what, what's the old adage it, making the 18th inch journey from the head to the heart mm. the the we are <laughs> You know, there is a it is very easy to get caught up in the intellectual exercise because it can be exciting yeah. Yeah. to learn about the Bible. The, the you know, to have that kind of like, oh well, this really means this, oh that really is that. That's exciting. And it and I'm and I'm happy when people are excited about that. But without this piece we will fall into like this, this knowledge pride, this pride about, oh, I know, oh, <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> and and we, we become mm. kind of arrogant about the information we've been exposed to and condescending to others. Um, mm. And that's, that's a very real and present danger mm. when you get to know something better than other people don't get to know it, mm. you know, um, the oh you ain't up on this <laughs> you, you don't know about kairos right, <laughs> you know what i'm right, saying right. that kind of that kind of thing <laughs> it is easy to fall into that and mm. the bible is not a how much i can know book it's good it's a how am i to be changed book mm. Mm. and that should be my approach yes i want to know everything i can know about it absolutely that i'm not i don't want us to to eliminate the significance of the intellectual part, but I also want us to recognize the limitations of that mm -hmm. so that we come to the Bible with the intent of finding 
application for me, not for you. Not let me find a verse. I've done this. I'm guilty. <laughs> Lord, Lord, thank you for grace and the blood. I am guilty of having a personal encounter or a pastoral encounter yeah. where now let me find somewhere in the Bible so I can whoop you with it. Let me get you some. <laughs> let me get you together. Lord, show me the verse that mm -hmm. I can say, aha, uh -huh, the Bible says yep. you ain't supposed to do this or you're not supposed to say that. Or, you're not supposed to treat me this way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but my, the, the majority of my study time needs to be centered around mm -hmm. um, finding the information about the Bible, what it means so that I can say, now, Lord, what am I to do with this? Yeah. Where, where, show me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what William, William Hendricks says. He says the Bible wasn't written to satisfy our curiosity, but to transform our lives. Yes. That it's not just this intellectual exercise, but it really is meant to drive us towards transformation. And that's what Paul says in, in Romans 12. We mm. want to take a look at that because uh, that's what, scripture is about it's not merely meant to inform us mm -mm. but to actually transform us transform yes. things about us right and I, I i really want us to hit all of these texts to drive this home yeah. tonight I, yeah. let's hit all of them yeah and yeah. drive it home okay so uh romans chapter 12 uh, paul is writing here to the church at rome he says i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or King James says reasonable, reasonable service. service. Yeah. And verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And here's how, by the renewal of your mind, mm -hmm. that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm, yeah. Now he, he's saying, here's how transformation occurs. It occurs not just by filling your mind with information, mm -mm. but actually renewing your mind through God's word. Yeah. And you cannot renew your mind if you stop at observation and investigation. Yeah. It actually has to apply to your life. This is how you're not conformed to the world. You take the text, you observe it, you, you investigate it. But if it's not applied to your life, right. then you're falling short of where you need to be to renew your mind. And let's do a little word study in that in that transformed by the renewal mm -hmm. or the or so the word renewal in the original language means an ongoing process by the constant renewing of your mind is the washing machine turning around over and over and over constantly mm -hmm. renewing your mind you can't wash a shirt last week and wear it for the rest of your life <laughs> and think oh i washed it one time no right. you need to take it off and wash it again because you stink mm -hmm. so keep on renewing um, and the word transformation is the word from which we get metamorphosis. It is, be it is the becoming. Um, it is becoming. So the idea is my intellect is involved in this process of study, of, of, of learning. So I'm observing, I'm investigating, I'm coming to the meaning of the biblical text, listening to the word preached and taught and investigating and observing for myself, coming to the meaning of it with the intent mm. of making my mind new, renewing it over mm. and over again constantly until my life becomes a full reflection mm. of who Christ is and what Christ has done. Mm. That is the intent. So just studying and having books full of notes and and, and journals and all of those things and, and going through... Um, um, those kind of Bible study, fill in the blank things and all of that stuff is great. But mm -hmm. if it does not get to the point of application, mm -hmm. if it's not transformative, then it's just an intellectual exercise. And you might as well do the crossword puzzle or Wordle or Sudoku <laughs> if you just want to keep your mind sharp. Mm -hmm. This is more than that. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what he's saying there when he says discern like that discernment there is. Um, looking for that meaning and being guided, as we talked about, by the Holy Spirit to to understand how to apply mm -hmm. the text to your life. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's part of the discernment process. Absolutely. Like, what is God saying to me yeah. in this text? I know what he said to the Philippian church. Mm -hmm. I know what Paul was writing to them. But now we have to cross that bridge. 
Yes. And you, you got to be able to cross that bridge. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself stuck in the first century. Yeah, right. You'll find yourself stuck right. in the ancient Near East, mm-hmm. but you need to bring it to your desk and to your table. I want to say I want to say two things that may be sharp, but I'm saying them lovingly. Mm-hmm. Um, one is one of the things I want you all to listen for when we preach and teach texts is what we call the objective or the behavioral modification mm-hmm. that is required. What am I to do as a result of listening to this sermon? Um, solid, strong preachers either stated outright or it is uh, implied um, through the sermon. Those are things I want you to be listening to. The other tragedy is, Pastor John, and we haven't brought this up in a long time, one of the tragedies of application is that we assume application before we do any observation or investigation. Mm. And much of that comes from a westernized view that presupposes or imposes meaning on the scripture. And so I can twist the Bible to make it say to me what I want it to say if I ignore what it is saying. Mm. Um, And I want to be very clear about this. Lord, help me be clear. Your, the application of scripture to your life does not come from you figuring it out. It comes from humility and yieldedness. When you come to the Bible, you got to come humble. Mm. Mm. And you have to be pliable in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and, Perhaps the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you. Oh, I'm reading this. I'm doing this, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you and you're not listening about an area you ought to be corrected in. Or yeah. or the Holy Spirit said, I'm not going to waste my time until you become pliable <laughs> mm. to what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, and so it is it, the your intent when you approach the text has to be pure, to be willing to be transformed. In the first place, that's I, that's what I want to say. That's what I want to say. That's good. That's good. So uh, we want to look at Luke chapter six, um, verses forty six through forty nine, because um, one of the other reasons why I think application is important is because it does demonstrate that Jesus <laughs> has said it, <laughs> and he implies that if you are a true follower. Oh, yeah. um, of him, then you're going to do what it is that he says. And he, he demonstrates it here in Luke chapter six. And he's talking about, he's giving us this picture and imagery of building your house on a rock, right? Yeah. Uh, he's talking to a crowd multitude has gathered here. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Ooh. I mean, can it be any more clear? Wow. <laughs> Wow, listen, this is a this is tough right here. Mm. He says, go ahead. Because the term Lord, a little a little more word study. Mm -hmm. Lord is not a term automatically assigned to divinity or to unseen divinity. It is literally my master Mm -hmm. or the one who has ruled me. He says, you can't tell me. The one you can't call me the one who tells you what to do and not do what I tell you to do. <laughs> just, that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, stop coming in here lifting your hands and saying I love the Lord. No, mm-hmm. you love the idea of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You don't love the Lord Jesus because mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus gets to tell you what to do and you do it. And going back to our study on words, right? The emphasis is there. Mm-hmm. Lord, Lord, Lord. Is twice. Yeah, Lord, Lord. So why are you placing an emphasis on my lordship and not the emphasis on actually practicing mm. or doing what you're saying I have in your life? Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's saying, here's a picture for you. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Mm. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Jesus is clear that both people, people who survive mm -hmm. and people who have tremendous tragic falls have both heard the word. Yep. They both have the same amount, same set of information. Mm -hmm. They got all, they, they, they've written out their questions. <laughs> both groups <laughs> have written out their questions. Both groups have read it in multiple translations. Mm -hmm. Both groups have done word study. Both groups have, have looked at comparative texts and done cultural analyses and all of that. Both groups have done all of those things. Mm. But the difference is not the study life nope. only. Yeah. The difference is living what was studied. Mm. So to hear it is absolutely critical faith comes by hearing we know that mm. hearing by the word of god romans chapter 10 says mm. but if that hearing does not turn into doing mm. we can't call him lord and we set ourselves up for a tragic fall mm. Mm. that's the that's the and then there's there's two choices mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> see yeah. you got this choice yeah you're going to build it on the rock and that foundation of moving towards doing, mm -hmm. or you're going to find yourself when something arises, this stream, persecution, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, arises, he says it falls immediately. Yeah. There, there's no timeline in between it. Mm -hmm. It's like it, it's going to fall as soon as something happens. Let's do a little more of, 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 our, of what we've taught this, this, um, during this series, Pastor John. The comparative text in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, includes the same words, Luke speaks about the flood, the stream rushing against it. Matthew adds rain and wind, yeah, like from that. all sides and all directions, because life is going to beat up on your house, mm -hmm. reg regardless <laughs> of whether you are ready for it or not. Yeah. You know, the inevitability is from all directions, life is going to get tough on you. And the thing that's going to cause you to stand is not just knowing yeah. scripture, that's I don't want to diminish the significance of that. Yes, please know it. But knowing and then applying and knowing how to apply. That's what we want to get to. Even yeah. even the sideways wind yeah. and, the, and, and yeah. the rain, that, yeah. that kind of rain. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at Matthew chapter number five, because this goes back to one of the words that we've already studied. Uh, Jesus here is talking about righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, and he's going to say here that righteousness is not actually found in what you know mm -mm. in your intellect but in what you're able to apply which which is aligns with what we're saying here yeah application is very important and we need to understand how to best apply a text and not just know it right so uh matthew matthew chapter 5 uh, verse number 17 i said Okay, so he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them, does them. and teaches them, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, word study is very, I mean, word order is very important. I was just going to discuss <laughs> the order of those verbs. So very important. So the very important. order of those verbs. Note, does, precedes, teach. <laughs> the one who does, and teaches as if teaching is ancillary or mm -hmm. secondary mm -hmm. or 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 a residual mm -hmm. of one that does. We just mm -hmm. we're walking through James on Sundays at St. Mark and the, the, the text that you taught, Pastor John, speaks directly of this. Mm -hmm. Everybody shouldn't be trying to teach in the first place. Yep. 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 Because doing must precede your teaching. Not that we perfectly practice everything we preach. That's mm -hmm. that, don't misunderstand that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but. Um, but the doing, the intent, the obedience should be the first mm. part of what it means to even try to start trying to teach anything mm -hmm. about scripture. Yeah. And, and to some degree it adds 
a layer to your teaching. Yeah. Because if you have first sat with and applied it in your own life, then you're able to teach it with the authority that, that Jesus wants us to be able to do so. And I want to be clear about this because we're not talking about someone being qualified to teach something because none of us are qualified to teach any of it. No. We're talking about someone who has some experience with what they are teaching. Mm. Now, that's a very, that's very different, yeah. um, very different idea. Mm. The reason I can teach it with power and conviction is because I know it works mm. from the doing. Not because I'm more qualified as, as I'm a, or I'm a better person. I'm not as sinful as the other person. No, well, I'm just as raggedy as you are. But mm. I have learned by experience that loving your neighbor, though very difficult and hard, mm. actually works. I've learned by experience that being more generous than I am possessive actually works. I've learned, you know what I mean? Mm. My experience teaches me. That's why I can pre- preach it with such vigor and, mm-hmm. and sincerity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, forgiving someone who's wronged me. It actually does wash the heart and soul. Those mm-hmm. kinds of ideas that's do, doing first. Then I can say, you know, this is not just something conceptual. Yeah. You know, this is something is that's actual in my life. And that gives me authority, a, mm-hmm. a, a basis from which to teach. And then Jesus also make sure he's, he provides clarity on the doing piece when mm-hmm. he talks about the Pharisees, right? Yep, exactly. He says, unless your righteousness, your way of doing things exceeds exactly. that of the spirit Pharisees. And then he goes on to quote their practices, yeah. some of the things that they do, and then he takes it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Like you've heard it said, you shouldn't get, uh, do not murder, right? Uh, whoever's angry mm-hmm. with his brother. Yeah is liable for murder yeah he's he's taking their ethical teachings yeah to a next level to one demonstrate that no one can perfectly follow the law which, right which they were all trying to be perfectionists yeah in following the law right and then number two also like hey y'all are doing the bare minimum <laughs> I, I need for y'all to take this to another level and right. say that hey you may be murdering someone by the way you are treating them in your anger towards that yeah. person. Yeah. In that way. And in, in hand versus heart, mm-hmm. the, technically is what they were. Well, technically <laughs> I have not, <laughs> I've not murdered, but technically I have not uh, had adultery, but, but mm-hmm. anger is like murder mm-hmm. in the heart. Lust mm-hmm. is like adultery in the heart. Same thing with, with oaths and, and retaliation, all of these ideas, um, the way you pray, the way you mm-hmm. give, the, the issue is righteousness born out of trying to keep a rule book. Yeah, that's good. Or righteousness that is born out of relational connection with, with God. Yeah. And this goes back to the discerning piece that we talked about in mm-hmm. Romans, right? Because in the Old Testament and in this culture, they had the laws written, mm-hmm. right? And, and now the New Testament writers come along and say, well, we have a law. But now it's written in our heart. Yeah. And and the person who has the pen is the spirit of God. Yeah. And he writes that law on our hearts so that he could give us the discerning power to be able to do what he wants us to do in, right. in the context in which we're doing it. Yeah. And we, we talked about this uh, in previous episodes around. Areas that are gray, gray areas. I was, yeah, yeah, gray areas in the church uh, where it talks about you know alcohol and other items, right? And so what we see here is that if we're going to be Pharisaic in our application, and what Jesus is getting at here, if you have a law, a principle that isn't something that that Christ Himself requires of us, then you are um, you are skirting what Jesus has done, which is written the law on our hearts. And allowed us to be able to discern those gray areas so that we can best be a witness to the people who are around us. We are not to try to go to the Bible to find the set of rules and do's and don'ts of Scripture. Now, obviously, there are some clear don'ts. Don't take something that don't belong to you. You know what I mean? Don't lie um, on someone or to someone. Those are don'ts, obviously. But in addition to that, beyond that, on another level... There are things, there are times, there are occasions, there are situations. How to parent being lenient at with an offense or being strict on an offense. That's a 
that's something that I need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to tell me right. about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The when to approach my spouse about something that where there's a disagreement or I feel some offense. The I need the Holy Spirit to. That's when I need to go to the Scripture and let the Spirit's words mm-hmm. work in my heart mm-hmm. to give me clarity. Because there's not a direct Bible, "Thou shalt not," <laughs> you know, talk on the first day of the offense. You know that kind of thing, but it may be wise for me not to, mm. or it may be wise for me to do it in this way mm. today. Mm. Um, and so that's the you know the, those kinds of things. But but it's I'm not going to application trying to find a list of rules. Mm. That's not what I'm doing. I'm going to application to find what is the spirit saying to me mm. in terms of how I am to adjust my life to to live in the will of God. Yeah. 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 Let's look at another text here in, in Matthew, and this, this one another. is one that we've looked at before, oh, yeah, but buddy. I want us to look at the whole time thing this yeah, time man. because it's important for us understanding um, what Jesus is getting at here in uh, Matthew 13. So this is the parable of Sore. We, we've talked about a piece of this, mm-hmm. but uh, just you know, on the front end for context, <laughs> I think it's important for everybody to know that uh, the seed in this text never changes. Never changes. Oh, man. Whew. It's the ground that changes. Listen, ain't nothing wrong with the seed. And I think we've talked about this before. Let me be clear again. You are not the sower. In this text. In this text. <laughs> and your money is not the seed in this text. Now, I'm with Sowing seed is something financial from time to time, according to Paul, 2 Corinthians 9. I'm with that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you can't get that from here. Not at all. Not at all. You can't get that from Why here. Why not? Because Jesus. Jesus is going to tell us what everything means. He's going to tell us what the seed is. He's going to tell us what the grounds, mm-hmm. bad English, good teaching, what the grounds is. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's going to explain it fully and thoroughly. You're not the sower. And even when we talk about the seed as being the word of God, we are not the sower, Pastor not. John, when we're when we're teaching. That's not what this is. Not. That's not what this is. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. So so let's read these nine verses and see what he says here. He says, That's that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they, they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, mm-hmm. they were scorched. And since they had no root, they, were ri- they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good ground, good soil, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. So so what we see here is that the condition of the ground is going to determine the yield of the fruit. Again, the pat the word doesn't change. The word doesn't change. And in context of what we're talking about here, when we talk about studying scripture, scripture don't change. We can no. all do the same study. The study is the study. The scripture is the scripture. Mm-hmm. It is. Now, I want to say to my smart alecky, <laughs> um pseudo scholars, and I don't mean that pejoratively, but kind of maybe so. Well, the Bible been changed through. The, no, it hasn't. Please stop believing that. Please, no, it hasn't. It has been amazingly preserved. That is a myth. It is a fallacy. It's a lie. And let me go Pentecostal and say it's a trick of the enemy. It is a lie. The Bible has not been changed and rewritten and redacted. And no, there is absolutely no evidence of that. It is purely conjecture. Again, introduced intentionally to undermine the authority of scripture there is all we have mm-hmm. all that they can find when they dig in the ground are manuscripts that say what we got in our hands mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. so no it doesn't change it hadn't changed it hasn't they've never found <laughs> they've never found these edits 
that they keep claiming have happened through the years. It has not. There is no archaeological evidence of such nothing. Zero. Zilch. Mm. At all. So having said that, it don't change. That's what we're trying to get at. It doesn't change. The seed is the seed. The question is what the con when I read this, I'm to ask what is the condition of my heart mm. when I am being exposed to the word of God? And that's when I'm when it's being preached, it's when it's being taught, and it's when I'm studying it personally or within a group setting. What is my heart? Is it thorny? Is it rocky? Is it wayside or is it fertile soil? And the way you can determine the condition is the yield mm -hmm. on the fruit. Yep. And as a believer, the way we yield fruit is by doing works by action. Yes. <laughs> it by is the what we do. <laughs> by the things that we do. So that's why application is important mm -hmm. because I can read a text all day long and interpret it all day long. But if you're not seeing the fruit of my Bible study played out in my everyday life, then my reading is futile. Your, your grandma would say, when you know better, you'll do better. And grandma would also say, it didn't take. <laughs> it didn't take. <laughs> I can tell that didn't take. It didn't take. It didn't take. Yeah, we got to, we got to do. We got to do. We got to do. Okay, so let's look at James, mm -hmm. uh, our book on doing. <laughs> yes, this is, the, this is the It's Alive series, St. Mark, James. Yes, indeed. And this is, the, this is the seminal text, man. This is the whole enchilada right here. This is it. This is, this is the whole point. And since you preached on this, they already, already got it. They all already got it. Got it. You know this. You know, I don't, we haven't had to read it. Y'all can quote it. So he's, he's talking about here the difference between being hearers and doers of the word, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, but be doers of the word, verse 22, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself. And goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Mm. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed Man. in his doing. Man. This is what scripture studies should be for us. It should be a mirror and not a window. You yes, talked sir. about this earlier. Yeah. When we... You talk about folks going to a text to look at other people through the text. Yeah. When it's really supposed to be a mirror for us. Let me tell you the, one of the funniest. And I like all the help you give me in preaching. Say, man, say, ain't that right? I know you're right. Go ahead. Pre say all of that. But the one that's funny to me is tell them, pastor. Tell them. Who is them? Pastor. <laughs> tell. And then come. Pastor, my sister should have been here to hear that. My cousin should have been here. Well, you were here. Yeah. What to did, hear it. What did you get? What what for did, yourself? What hap what did what happened between you and God through your encounter with the word of God that now makes you say, I need to do something different or do something more or be more more consistent in doing this. I'm gonna go straight over to media sales and get ten copies. Right. Because I got ten people that need to hear <laughs> right, this message. Right. Y'all they let me send this to my cousin and them and they they all need to hear that because I got this already. I already got yeah. it now. I sure well, wish if, they were here. If, if you had it, you wouldn't have been exposed to it again. I <laughs> promise you, you still have some growing to do in that area. Mm. Um mm. and so you know it's a mirror. It's it's to see the gaps and the and the you still got some crust in your eye, mm. you know what I mean. Mm. You still got a little something on the side of your mouth right here mm -hmm. that that you need to get out. And that's what we go to the Word of God for. Mm. You need to go to go to the Word of God um, so that it can show me yeah. those places and spaces where I need to run the rag over my face again. Yeah. So we talked about why it's important. Mm -hmm. Let's now talk about the how. How do we apply the text? All right, Pastor John, Pastor P, I hear y'all telling us. Mm -hmm. We got the investigation down, observation town. Now y'all getting on to us about not applying it. Right. <laughs> you need to tell us how to do it. So, so we're going to help you with the how tonight by starting in First Timothy. And you talked about Timothy a couple of episodes ago. Maybe it was last episode. But we talked about Paul taking to a couple of gentlemen um, along his journey. Uh, as a mentor, mm -hmm. uh, mentoring these gentlemen who eventually lead 
church communities in, mm-hmm. in Timothy and in Titus. Mm-hmm. And this is his first epistle or letter to Timothy as he's encouraging him in the faith. And it's interesting what he says here in verse number 16, because it goes back to that word order yeah. that we talked about. He says this, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Mm-hmm. Persist in this for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. He starts not by saying, keep a close watch on your teaching. Watch what you teach. Right. He says, keep a close watch on yourself. And, 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 and John, let's back up, back a, up little a little bit. bit. Yeah. Cause I think greater context emphasizes that that's the coup de gras. Mm-hmm. But, but if we back up um, verse 11, um, yep. among other, th- uh, um, as he's telling him to teach sound doctrine is really what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 11, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example yep. in speech. Listen to it in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to preaching. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's my job. Y'all, this part of our job description. I'm to read the Bible to you. Yep. Exhortation literally means to yell at you. That's <laughs> what it is. It's to, <laughs> it's to holler at you and then to teach you. So, you know, when I be, you know, rah, rah, sis, mumbah, and yelling at you, that's because it's right there in the text. And to, te- and to teach you. It really, that's, that's actually what it means. <laughs> do your word study. That's actually what it means. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, mm-hmm. which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you practice these things immerse yourself in them why so that all may see your progress keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching persist in this for, uh, by so doing you'll save both yourself and your hearers again mm-hmm. the idea is what you're doing Timothy precedes what you're teaching it's so critical that the do is in front of the say. Hmm. The hmm. do is in front of the say. And and to that end, we are to have that same kind of passion, concern, hmm. self-awareness yeah. is really what we're talking about. I want to make sure we're clear here to beca- because I think I may have felt somebody read that or hear that last piece and like yes yeah save what, yeah. what are you talking about yeah. so when he says persist in this for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers this is not the salvific work work that Jesus did for you right. so your pastor is not saving you no. through his preaching no uh, he's not affecting what Jesus has already done on the cross for you uh, what that actually means is that there's you're continuing in the faith this mm-hmm. is coming alongside you and helping you to continue in the faith. It's a persistent mm-hmm. uh, work that's happening here as part of your sanctification, which is your right. ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And, and it, 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 to be very clear, we are saved in three tenses. We have been saved. Yeah. We are being saved. We will be saved, have been saved, salvation, being saved, sanctification, will be saved, glorification. Mm-hmm. Christ's work is finished. He said it is finished. It's done I'm going to heaven when I die. Right now, I am being made more like Christ through the sanctification process. And then one day I will go to be with Christ when I am glorified or when I am Mm. passed from this life to the next or when he comes back again and raptures us to be with him. Mm. Whatever phase I am in, the Bible uses that term save to speak to all three of those at times. Uh, And that this one in this text is about the ongoing process of being made more as you persist in this, you all will be further sanctified, made more like Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, so uh, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, I need you to keep a close watch on yourself and be mm-hmm. honest with yourself. Be honest. So, so application, how do I apply? Be honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's number one. And then the second one I think is, is just as important. And that is you need to be able to know your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of us don't know the areas in which we're strong or we're weak because and we don't want to hold up our weaknesses because we want to be seen as stronger than we really are. Yeah. 
But this helps you to understand yourself and your need to be developed. And we can look back in uh, Romans chapter 12. We looked at verses one and two, Mm -hmm. but let's take a look at verse three and see what that says to us as a follow up to that piece of being transformed by the renewal of your mind. If there was ever a word for this culture. (laughs) If there were were ever a word for. This is the one. I'm not going to be mean. I want to be mean. But I'm not going to be mean. If there's ever a word for some of the singing Mm. (laughs) we hear, some of the teaching we hear, Mm. um, Mm. some of the pictures we post, Mm. um, Mm. our 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 need to be bigger, Mm. better, grander than other people. Mm. Mm. Read the text because I'm going to get it's going gonna, it's gonna to go off the rails here in a minute. Y'all keep me. So, so Paul here is talking about, he actually is going to get into the gifts of grace, yes. which is something that he wants to highlight here as he's talking about in verse three, mm-hmm. because there may be folks in the church who feel like what they're doing actually makes them feel like they are more important, more important. than yeah. other folks. Yeah, right? my, my, my thing is more important than your thing. Yeah. So he says, for by grace, verse three, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I'm going to be quiet here because <laughs> let me tell you something. One of the, and this is within the operations of how we do church or the ecclesiastical experience that we have mm-hmm. this is in, within not Christ's intent but within how we have how we express the believing community we can at times because we have magnified certain types of ministry gifts mm-hmm. or or motivational gifts as greater than others we can esteem someone's gifts mm-hmm. higher than they should or we can esteem our own higher than we should. Yeah. And that is a major mm. problem. Mm. It becomes then this hierarchical um, expression of community that Christ never intended. He never intended for there to be some celebrity ministers in a church and then the riffraff or the, mm. or the fans and mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. This is you and I have to be clear that all of it is God. Anything good is of God's work and God's spirit. And this does not mean I diminish or deny my gifts and abilities. That's yeah. not what he's talking about. It's not saying, oh, oh, my pie ain't that good when I know I make the best sweet potato pie. Or if you make the best sweet potato pie, then you just make the best sweet potato pie. Mm. But that's the issue is recognizing the source of your gift and the intent of the gift. Mm. The source is from God. The intent is for others. And I am but a piece apart within that. And that self-awareness helps me then to approach scripture with the necessary humility to let the spirit speak to my life. Yeah. And this isn't new to the human experience. Mm. As a matter of fact, Paul is writing experientially here. Yes. When you look at his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is addressing a very specific issue about gifts in the church and people thinking more highly of folks Mm -hmm. than they ought to think. He's talking about himself and Apollos being held against each other as leaders in the church of Corinth. And Apollos is an amazing oral communicator yeah he's a preacher's preacher yeah yeah they love hearing this man preach and teach and paul by all indications might not be a gifted oral communicator yeah he he, he wasn't you weren't gonna run to hear paul in a five-night revival i guess <laughs> well not because of his amazing giftedness yeah. clearly there was power and demonstration right. uh that he walked in um but he wasn't going to just wow you with his words. And he says in first Corinthians, I wasn't even trying to, yeah, I don't, that don't, I don't, that's, I'm not trying to do that anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but we, we get to this, to this verse and 
You know, I want to like I want to post it under so many people. I want to make this the comment under so many statuses and pictures and stuff like that. Don't think more highly of yourself than you are. Don't think more highly of yourself than you are, because pride and arrogance are the thing that pushes God away, perhaps the quickest and the farthest, or pushes me away from intimacy with God. The Bible is clear. He resists the proud. <laughs> God resists the proud. If anything else is true about me, if I got any other faults and cracks and flaws in my character, if I am able to admit them, God will handle them. Yeah. yeah. But but Pastor John, I've said years ago, and I'm, I'm, I want to say again and again, again and again and again, the self-righteous cannot be made righteous. Hmm. And when I have a higher estimation of myself and my abilities or my gifts or my knowledge, um, then I'm not pliable. I'm not correctable. I cannot be confronted and challenged and held accountable to change. It, it, I have to get to the place. If I'm going to apply the Bible, mm. I got to know my strengths. I got to know my weaknesses, and I got to be willing to hear them mm. from others. Cause all of us have blind spots. Yeah. And, and this is how you don't think of yourself highly, more highly than you think when you read the text don't think about other people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think about or, somebody you need to, t- to t- tweet that to or text that to. Yeah. Actually think about how it applies to your life. Because the first thing that comes to mind when you read a text shouldn't be somebody else. Right. And I'm, I'm going to give another cl- uh, um, another helpful hint on that. That's A and primary. The second way to do this is to have a wife. <laughs> They'll, they'll get you low. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll make you, you stay low. They'll remind you. <laughs> I'll be playing. I'm playing, y'all. I'm playing. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. I'm being funny. That's a joke. That's okay. a joke. So, so let's talk about uh, this next component I think is going to be important. And it, that this is going to help you not think more highly of yourself because we need to make it experiential. Yeah. And this goes to asking the right questions. And uh, I think, you know, we call it kind of in your different uh, areas of your life where, and we just kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit. When we're thinking about application for sermons, yes, we think about the different areas that people may need to hear mm-hmm. a message of application in. And we try to put that in the application portion of our sermons themselves. Absolutely. So, when we do movements of a sermon, we there's a move there's a part of the movement uh, what we traditionally call points or what the outline is um, that involves explanation. That is what the text means by what the text says. Whatever cultural bridges need to be crossed, language bridges that need to be crossed, those kinds of things. Um, and then there's the application portion. So explanation, application, the application portion. Uh, a helpful technique that that you know I teach those who uh, I'm training in, in ministry is to have an application grid yeah. which has these elements in this. How does this apply mm-hmm. in these elements of, of a person's life mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. Uh, within their lives? And, and so these things are and you can, on the grid, and as you, it were. And you can almost guarantee that someone's always working through something in all in, in of these those areas. areas. Absolutely, all because these, these are the things that make up life. Yeah, <laughs> these are the things that constitute life. Yeah. So let me give it to them on the front end, all the areas, and then we'll we'll kind of walk through some questions possibly that could help them to illuminate application for the text. So first, it's going to be social. Yeah, uh, how you relate to the people around you. This is based on the great commandment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how to love your neighbor well. Secondly is going to be your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of us, <laughs> whether we like them or not, yeah. have family, so, uh, have family members, and we have to be able to relate uh, to those people. And then uh, you're also going to have an area of finances, stewardship, like uh, we all earn or uh, have the capacity to earn, have the capacity to be able to steward the resources that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be financial questions you need to ask of yourself. Uh, vocational mm-hmm. uh, when you're thinking about career you're thinking about work uh, there are going to be some things and tension that you got to deal with on the job yep. that you may need to apply a text to you spend actually you spend more time yeah during the week 
own your job, right? Then, then you do in the church house. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and some and sometimes and because of the world we live in, sometimes more time there than even with the family. Yeah, you're you right. Know? And so uh, other area is going to be health. Uh, don't talk about that enough or as much as we should, but certainly an area that you need to be asking application questions for. And then uh, finally, uh, spiritual. Yeah. Um, how this how this applies to your spiritual situation in life. So so those are several areas and there may be a couple of more, but those are some of the major ones that yeah. we kind of deal with on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. Um, the social component has um, both, I, I would say, a covenant community component and a um, cultural community component. When I talk about things socially, uh, I'm talking about how I deal with other people in and around Church that can also be a a, a way I apply family mm-hmm. text. Oftentimes, when we're reading texts about family, um, if I'm reading about Jacob and Esau, uh, if I'm reading about Rachel and Leah, mm-hmm. um, then I'm seeing those brothers, those sisters, um, and I think about my friendship circle. I can think in that way. I can also think about my immediate family, my actual brothers and sisters. I can mm-hmm. also think about the brothers and sisters I am in covenant community with within a church yeah. um, when I'm applying those kinds of things. So I can look at that text. I can look at how Jacob and Esau are wrestling in the womb or look at their encounter and say, now how does this work mm-hmm. with me and ch- other people I go to church with? Mm-hmm. How does this work with my actual brother? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do I have any tension with my brother yeah. himself? Or do I? are there people in my friendship circle that, are like a brother yeah. to me that I have that kind of interaction with or could potentially, what is, how does that inform that? So those, yeah. that's kind of one of the ways that that works out. Or I'm also reading Pauline text and I'm seeing him address younger men mm-hmm. in his text. And it's talking to me, the challenging me to say, Hey, what type of mentoring or mentee relationships I, am I in? Uh, I think that everyone should have someone that is mentoring them mm-hmm. and then also someone who's actually they're they're mentoring yeah um as part of that social dynamic components that Paul felt was very important for Christian believers to be able to have people who are older than them or mm-hmm. more wise uh, may not necessarily be older mm-hmm. to help process through certain things um those are relational components that are very important at least for paul yeah and and I think it's you know those three levels and I, I wish I could uh, oh, yeah, attribute I them to, to the person who originated the idea, someone kind of above you, the mentor or, or, or pastor uh, kind of relationship that you have with someone, then the peer, someone who that is your peer, iron sharpens iron, and then someone underneath you, someone coming along who you share your experience and, and expertise with to bring them up uh, to where you are and even beyond where you are. So that mm-hmm. social that's we think about that, you know, cultivating those deep, mm. true friendships um, beyond the superficial, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Here's one we don't we don't really think about as often as we should. And this is the family dynamic, um, because I think oftentimes we feel like our family relationships and dynamic are are things that are static and can't change yeah. per se, um, where scripture tells us totally different uh perspective on on that as a matter of fact you know jesus in the gospels he he may sound like he's being mean uh when they ask him about his his blood family and his his mama's looking for him his mama mama looking for you and he's like who my mama who is my mother (laughs) who is my mother who's my brother he says the folks who were out here these are the people who are my mother so there's a redefinition Mm -hmm. even of familial relationships that could make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. But at the same time, I think scripture uses the language of brother and sister Mm -hmm. to let us know just how close our relationships should be, Mm -hmm. even though they aren't often the case. Yeah. Not always. I mean, I think as you grow and mature, just life works out that way that sometimes, I mean, Proverbs says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother Mm. that there's a, a, uh, that there's sometimes the social relationships or the friendships have a tighter bond. You share more experiences with them. And, you know, people have family dysfunction and tension and trauma. Um, but part of the redeeming work of the gospel is to be a part of potentially reconciling those issues mm. um, 
in in as it relates to your biological family mm-hmm. um, or adoptive family um, or or whatever that looks like. The other side of that, Pastor John, is I am to be concerned again. It's a mirror, it's not a window, with how I am as a brother. Yeah, how I am as a as a father, how I am as a husband. I'm not to say. Yeah, see, my brother's supposed to hear this because he he still owe me thirteen dollars and thirty two cents from when we were seventeen. You know, I'm not. That's not supposed to be my mm. mindset when I'm listening to teaching or when I'm studying the scripture for myself. I'm supposed to be saying, "What is my part in this?" And Jesus says, "Lend it without requiring it back." Mm. So rather than talk about how he owes me money, the challenge in my heart is to let it go and count it as a gift, not a loan. Mm which I don't like that because I want my $13. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I bought this joker a Happy Meal mm. when we were seven years old with my allowance money, and he still ain't gave me my, my Happy Meal money back. And I and, remember it like it was yesterday. And he broke my toy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he broke my so toy. So you adding on the ledger. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, but, the, but the issue is, Lord shaped me to give that mm. to give him grace, not to hold. Mm. Um, and and we're making light of that, but there there are some very serious issues there within are. families. Are. But again, here's what I want to say. Let me let me drop this cap, uh, caveat in here about it. Uh, as it relates to those family hurts, I'm not telling you to ignore them or not to deal with them. Mm. Um, nor am I telling you to persist in unhealthy connections, even with family. And let me put a plug in here for the need also, one of the reasons therapy is a critical part, I believe, for people who are trying to be whole as followers of Jesus Christ. That if those deep-seated traumatic things, we can't just pray them away. That's why God has given us the gift of of therapy um, to help us to process through those things. At the same time, on a parallel track, I am to go to the word of God to shape my heart and behavior toward mm. those who have offended me or who have hurt me. And and in family, that gets sticky. Yeah. yeah. But I'm to use it as a mirror. Show me me, Lord. Mm. Show me me. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, the text is supposed to do just that as we're looking at social and and looking at family. And we also look at another area that a lot of folks don't like to talk about because then you're in my business, Mm -hmm. all in my business. Yeah. And this is financial. Financial. Right? So financial stewardship is one of the very important components of the Christian life because – um, we will account for how we spend and use the resources that God has given to us. Yeah. That is a sobering reality and truth. Yeah. yeah. We got, we, there's so many, um, so many, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven or hell. Yeah. He talks about money more than he talks about prayer. Because he says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Mm-hmm. Your heart follows your treasure. What you give to, you will begin to love because you will have, you have invested in it. And it's hard because I get it, man. You know, John, people have abused yeah. biblical texts to make false promises so that they can become rich on the backs of people giving believing that God was going to bless them for it in certain mm. ways. Mm. I get it. You know, um, that to talk about money, a, a, a old deceased preacher said years ago, if you ever want the church to get quiet, talk about sex or money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's sensitive, but that's why personal study and personal application is important. You will be less sensitive when you hear it from a preacher or teacher if you have dealt with it with you and God yourself. Also, mm-hmm. I've never known good stewards to be offended by stewardship sermons. That's it. I want I want to <laughs> I want to pat myself on the back. Talk, man. If you are being a good steward, 
if you are generous in the way that the Bible says you are to be, mm-hmm. if you are managing your the resources God God's resources because all of it belongs to God, if you're managing them in a way that God um, is being glorified by, if you are working responsibly to make it and then um, giving responsibly and then saving responsibly and then mm-hmm. spending responsibly, if you're doing those things, then you're not offended by it. people generally are offended in the areas where they feel confronted and challenged yeah and that's why study for yourself is important mm-hmm. because it, when you study the bible for yourself you begin to see the applicate this affects this is one of the ways i honor god mm-hmm. is in money and that's one of the biggest indicators mm-hmm. of how much i love god and that and it's not just the giving the giving is mm-hmm. big but not just the giving it's the managing after I have given as well, that is a that is a part of the way I glorify God. You know, we always talk about personal responsibility. We got this Western mentality, mm-hmm. except when it comes to this, because people allow someone else's abuse of something, yeah, to make them avoid it, its proper use, mm-hmm. without understanding that from your perspective, you're still going to have to be a good steward of what God has given to Absolutely. you. They're not going to say. Oh, Pastor So and So jacked up giving at your at the church down the street, so you don't have to give, and, I, I and the Lord's not gonna come to you and say, "Oh, I'm gonna give you the Pastor So and So excuse." Yeah, no, yeah, no, <laughs> and and you know, I I encourage people, and I've I've used to say it often at Saint Mark. I probably haven't said it in a long time, but I want to say it right now that you need to be at a church where you can give and trust the leadership to be responsible with it. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. are uncertain or if you know, oh, it's being mismanaged, they're doing wrong, and therefore you can't give at that church, then you need to find mm-hmm. another church and unite with it in covenant. Now, let me be very, very clear. Whew, I hope this doesn't sound harsh, but I want to be clear. It's not biblically right to be a member at one church and pay your tithes to another. That's not biblically correct. What is biblically correct is to put your membership where your tithe is or your tithe where your membership is. They should be in the same place. Mm -hmm. Now, other churches, other ministries, other pastors can be supplemental. I want to be clear about that, that that supplemental. And we have people who are engaged with St. Mark consistently and you're members of another church. Your tithe belongs to the church where you are a member of. And so if you're a member there, then you're tied, but also your time and also your gifts and also your prayers. And also you need to be listening to the teaching there. And that should be the, the, the primary diet that you exist on. Yeah. That belongs in the same place. If, if you're uncertain, if you say, oh, leader, they ain't doing money, ain't right, et cetera, et cetera, then you need to go where you can trust hmm. the leadership to handle money responsibly yeah and that's that's a part of what we're talking about when you're applying the scripture and y'all it's all over the bible <laughs> you know this ain't just in a small little corner they always talk about money the bible is always talking about money because mm-hmm. it's one of the primary indicators of where and that's why it's so sensitive for you because it's one of the primary indicators of where your spiritual life is and where your heart is yeah really you know? is so here's here we're gonna do we're going to uh pause here yeah and we've already gone over three um, areas in which you can apply the text. Next go around, we're going to cover three more. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to give you all some good questions. Questions to ask. Good questions to ask. So make sure you stay tuned for that particular episode. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Growth Factor podcast. We're grateful for you joining us each week as we jump into the application portion of this and ask you a question. So what? Mm -hmm. Hopefully the beginning of this journey uh, as we look at application has been helpful for you all. We're going to finish it up in the next episode, but we do pray that it's been challenging to you to move beyond the observation and investigation phases of study and move into what is an immensely important portion of your study, which is applying the word of God to your life in the various areas that we've covered. And we're going to cover some more next go round and also help you ask some very important questions of text when it comes to application. 
next time. Do us a favor. Go over to our Grow Factor group on Facebook. Again, we're over 900 strong over there. Certainly want you all to plug in over there. Also follow and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms and just show us some love with some subscriptions and also some reviews and some ratings in the podcast. Outside of that, we just want to make sure that you all are making sense of the text that you are reading as we continue to help you study God's word as we dig deeper in this season. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.